honey bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets, and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table, cast on skillets, good and hot, watch it steam and crack and pop, cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop in black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Good morning, and welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table, a show dedicated to the people of our community who produce, preserve, and prepare our regional foods. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. That cute little theme song you just heard was performed and arranged by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's gotten to be very popular, and she's even sung on the Grand Old Opry. We're really proud of this young woman, and even more proud to say that she's from Monroe County, Tennessee. Today, we're setting the table with apple butter. We go to an apple butter making at Turtle Mountain Herb Farm in Rockford, Tennessee, with our frequent guest, Crystal Wilson. Fred Sossman paints a picture with words about our region and apple butter making in his segment of Seasons Eatings. Robin Payne shares with us her own apple butter recipe. And I visit with Chef Shelley Cooper of Dancing Bear Lodge Appalachian Bistro, and she's going to let us know what she's serving up this afternoon at the Grains and Grits Festival in Townsend, Tennessee. I've also got some updates on the last couple of days of our local farmers markets and a couple of really neat special events. Thank you so much for your good company today. I really appreciate you tuning in on your radio or your smartphone or your computer or tablet or however you're listening. So let's get started. Our first guest is Crystal Wilson of Turtle Mountain Herb Farm in Rockford, Tennessee. She hosted an apple butter making with her family a couple of weekends ago, and we gathered around her great-great-grandmother's big copper cook pot full of apples over an open fire. I recorded this there. You're outnumbered on this one. Well, so tell me, though, how do you know how to make apple butter? Um, Mama and and Daddy, that's something that was always um, done every fall. Um, Where we grew up was apple country. Um, they still have an apple festival every year. There were apple orchards, apple packing houses. So that was just part of it, of having apples. And so that's, that's what, just what you did every fall. Well, was that, wasn't that kind of close to Marion County or something? Smith, no, we're Smith County, Marion, Virginia's the town. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what's the recipe? Well. And how do you prepare the apples? Do you mind me asking you No, Lord, no. It's sticky. <laughs> it's sticky. Um, well, what we what we do, and you know, everybody does different, um, is we use Yellow Delicious for two reasons. Um, 
One is that they are soft, so they cook up quicker. If you would do an apple that's a keeper or a harder apple, you're going to be here a lot longer because it's going to cook. So these cook up pretty fast. So what we did this morning, we were out here at 6.30 and I started it. We start with just a little water and then you add apples to it. So you're making like applesauce to okay. start out with. Yeah. And then as the day progresses, you add apples to it. We have uh, six and a half bushels that we did. And um, that one pot right there? That one pot. <laughs> oh my god. That's a 30 gallon pot. So in the end, will you have 30 gallons? Something like that? Uh, uh, yeah, not, well not quite that much. You could We could do more apples. Um, but the other reason we, we use uh, Yellow Delicious is because they're sweeter, so you don't have to use as much sugar. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's really yeah. good. So for that, we've got about 20 pounds of sugar. Okay. And that's that's not much when you consider how huge that pot, pot is. is. No, it's not. Well, now, how, who prepared all those apples? Who peeled them and poured them? <laughs> that's we what did. I want to know. <laughs> well, it's not as bad as you think. We have apple peelers. Yeah. And so that goes real quick. I saw that picture. Yes. On, the, on your counter Friday night. Yes, we were sticky. Apples. Yes, it's quite <laughs> the sticky endeavor. Yeah, yeah. We were real sticky. But yeah, it's, once you get that going and get it in the groove, it goes real quick. Well, yeah. I've never seen this before, and that pot is beautiful. It's yeah. black on the outside and a shiny copper on the top edge and in the middle. It's a beautiful pot, Crystal. Well, let me tell you about what we did. There's pennies inside that pot. And you put pennies inside. All the kids will put pennies in because that keeps the, the apple butter from sticking to the pot while, while they really? stir it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. We put in 12. We had 13 and I refused. I said, that's unlucky. We don't want unlucky apple butter. <laughs> so that's why we put that. That's why we put that in there. And then when it's time to, to come off, we'll put some on a plate and see if it looks runny. And if it holds, that's how you tell if it's done. Okay. And at that point, you put sugar in, and we put oil of cinnamon, not red hots. I know a lot of folk put red hots, and my granny would uh, uh, chase you down if you put red hots in that apple butter. I wondered about that. I've heard it, and I thought it seems like that's a kind of a more man-made thing. It is. You know? It is. So we, she never let us ever put red hots. It makes it a pretty color, but yeah, it tastes. It don't taste. Tastes more like candy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't do that. And uh, so when it comes time, we'll take it off into into pots and we'll can it into jars and and go from there. You yeah. gonna can it outdoors here? On well, your thing or how? We'll do we'll do whatever on the stove out here, whatever slot we have, because at that point we'll have like 40 quarts. And so Ooh, that's a lot. We'll be doing it in the oven anywhere we can find a spot <laughs> to stick it to get it done. So uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I remember one of my favorite quotes. We were talking a couple of years ago, and you're saying something like, "If it fits in a jar, can it?" Absolutely. You should see my. <laughs> you should see my cabinets here. And here's the funny thing about jars. You want to know a funny story about jars? Yes. So Mama, when Mama passed that she always had a place that she kept her jars and we were tired at that point of cleaning you know how it is going through memories and everything and jackie and i were tired and our sisters were tired so uh there was those all those jars all those mason jars i'm talking there's like 50 plus 100 jars we're like we ain't gonna deal with that we ain't gonna take them we left them when we got ready to do this i've canned all my jars i've canned like 300 quarts of stuff this year 400 
I mean, everything's full. She had no jars. Our mama is laughing at us from somewhere. We're not taking them jars. We had to buy jars for apple butter. Yes. Oh, you can you can just hope that there's secrets in heaven because you can't ever. She'll shame you. She'll shame us forever because we didn't get the jars. Oh, she'll hang you. Yes, over yes, we didn't get a jar. So yeah, that's a funny story. It's so oh. funny. Oh, oh yes, yes. Yeah. See, you youngins just won't do. I know we didn't bring it. We didn't do it. Three or four hundred jars of stuff to can is just not enough. It's not no. Like I said, I can't everything fits in the jar. Yeah. Tell me about that paddle. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table broadcast and podcast. You just heard from Crystal Wilson of Turtle Mountain Herb Farm in Rockford, Tennessee, at her apple butter making. Coming up, we get to hear a story from food historian Fred Sossman and his recollections of apple butter time in our area. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table comes to you in part from Magpie's Bakery in downtown North Knoxville, just one block off Broadway on North Central Street, and Magpie's West on Bearden Hill inside the Village Exchange, just east of Calhoun's, a convenient pickup location for special orders and a variety of fresh baked goods daily with Pie Day on Fridays. Magpies is your home for game day cookies, cupcakes, and treats, and now taking holiday orders, including the old-time apple stack cake, made with apple butter filling cooked in-house from dried apples and muddy pond sorghum. Magpies Bakery can accommodate most budgets and styles with a full selection of ready-made designs or custom designs for your special event. Orders can be placed in person at the North Knottsville location or by phone 865 673 0471. Operating hours 12 to 5, Monday through Saturday. Since 1992. All butter, all the time. Magpiescakes.com. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table comes to you in part by Kenner Tree Care. Family owned and operated out of Louisville, Tennessee. Kenner Tree Care is proud to support this type of local community broadcasting. A certified arborist insured for your protection, offering removal of dead or problem trees, tree pruning, storm emergencies, tree care, soil conditioning, and tree and stump removal. Contact Kenner Tree Care by phone at 865-686-8344 or by Facebook. Kenner Tree Care. Tree Care, Nature's Way. And now, let's hear from our friend, Fred Sossman. We like to call the segment of this show, Seasons Eatings. The scene is similar in country churchyards all over our region during the fall harvest. Smoke drifts skyward from well-worn kettles. Wooden paddles keep their contents moving as liquid thickens. Church members of all ages supply the labor, trading places when arms get tired. It's a scene that dates back generations, yet modernity has not threatened it. 
A drive through the countryside on fall Saturdays in southern Appalachia is reassuring proof that the making of apple butter is alive and well, even thriving. Just as in worship services the following morning, each church has its own techniques and procedures. Some season their apple butter with cinnamon candy, some with cinnamon oil, some with ground cinnamon, some add an ecumenical sprinkling of cloves. Each implement has a story. Listen closely as the apple butter is stirred, and you might hear the scraping of metal on metal. Silver dollars are tossed into the mix to prevent sticking. Some kettles are brass, others copper. Part of the preparation ritual is scouring the kettle until it shines. As in any communal task, the making of apple butter dictates a division of labor, from building the fire to washing the jars. One fall Saturday, I watch as members of the Unicoi Ruritan Club and the Unicoi United Methodist Church Friendship Class join forces in a silently choreographed routine to pour the hot apple butter into jars and wipe them clean before labels are applied. It's the culminating point of a six-hour day of work and remembrance. Making apple butter is hastened by the silent urgency of the coolness of fall. As their ancestors did in Europe, apple butter makers in Appalachia today are driven by the coming of winter. Their product is yet another reminder of their genius in prolonging the goodness of the crop for months after trees have stopped bearing. Apple butter is, of course, best eaten as it is, scooped out with fingers plunged deep into jars or spooned liberally on hot, scratch-made biscuits. The late storyteller Catherine Tucker Wyndham used it as a blanket for sausage. She would form fresh sausage into balls without any breading and brown them in a skillet. She would then drain them, place them in a baking dish, and cover them well with apple butter. She would then heat the apple butter and sausage balls in the oven until the mixture became bubbly. This season, I remember Catherine's love of this combination from the farm and her delight in making it in her kitchen all year long. And memory is really what apple butter is all about. For the Tennessee Farm Table, I'm Fred Sausman. And now, let's join Robin Payne, former food editor of the Blunt Today newspaper. Here's her recipe for apple butter. Sometimes, what if uh, you can't get a hold of those dried apples? Have you got a recipe? I do, and it's a slow cooker recipe. Everybody loves their slow cookers. I sure do. I'll just give that to you. Uh, use about three pounds of apples. Again, uh, Macintosh. Uh, or wine sap. Okay. Being my favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, peeled, cored, and sliced. And about two cups of sugar, if that much. Um, like I said, wine sap and uh, Macintosh doesn't take quite as much as the other apples. Uh, two teaspoons of cinnamon, a teaspoon of nutmeg, uh, half a teaspoon of allspice, and a half a teaspoon of cloves, a pinch of salt, and about a about a half a cup of water is all you're going to need because it's going to cook down. Uh, you fill the lard, you have to have one of the larger crock pots or slow cooker. Mm -hmm. And uh, you fill the slow cooker with your apples and you add all the, uh, the cinnamon, sugar, nutmeg, allspice, cloves and salt and you mix it, add the water and you just cover and cook for about 11 hours. Um, cook it on low 
and then after about 11 hours just use a large slotted spoon and take out the apple slices and place in a blender oh. so reserve the juice I don't think you're going to need it um, you then you puree, uh, puree in the in a blender mm-hmm. um, if the butter is too thick you can add some of the reserved juice uh, you just put this into three half-pint canning jars and store it in the refrigerator now you can add more water or less you don't want it to be too runny so you just kind of To connect with Robin and see about getting a copy of her cookbook or to connect with all my guests, links to all of them can be found at TennesseeFarmTable.com under the heading that says Listen to the Show. Now let's join Chef Shelly Cooper of Dancing Beer Lodge in Appalachian Bistro to hear what she's cooking up for the Grains and Grits Festival this afternoon in Townsend, Tennessee. So I'm going to be doing a uh, braised rabbit pot pie with pork belly confit potatoes and uh, soybean succotash and a lemon thyme gravy. The soybean succotash, I forgot to mention that. So there's a lady named Lily and she used to sell to Jeff Carter when he was the chef. So Lily comes in one day and she's, you know, hey, I don't know what you guys are doing. But I used to sell to the previous chef, and she had all these beautiful veggies and such. And then she said, so do you have any interest in doing anything with edamame? Edamame is soybeans. And I'm like, I love edamame. But here, I don't call them edamame. I call them soybeans because we're in the South, and that's what, I mean, it's one of our big crops. So, so taking that ingredient that is indigenous to this area, and unfortunately, in modern times, people only equivocate that to go into the Japanese restaurant. And that's so unfortunate, and it, it chaps me, because that's here and us in this part of the world. So, so, so a lot of people come in and they see, I, I try to educate the servers of, we don't call it edamame, it's soybeans. It depends on what part of the world you're in. Is it a pimento? Is it a paprika? Is it, you know, what is it? And it, it's all relevant to what part of the world, but anyway, because it became very unpopular and undesirable in this part of the world, soybeans did, so it became very popular to go to the Asian restaurant and get your soybean appetizer, your edamame appetizer. So. That's one thing that I find so pleasantly surprising when people get turned on to this of, wait, those are edamame. No, they're soybeans. They've been here for forever. So. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table is brought to you in part by Townsend, Tennessee's Grains and Grits Festival, taking place Saturday, November 5th. This is a festival of southern spirits in gourmet grub and an opportunity to experience our region's thriving craft spirits and gourmet food community, along with some of our region's legendary distillers and blenders. With live entertainment, savory bites, and sweet treats from local restaurants and food purveyors such as Dancing Bear Lodge and Blackberry Farm, mobility-impaired parking, and shuttle service on-site at the Townsend Visitor Center in the peaceful side of the Smokies. Tickets and information online at grainsandgritsfest.com.
Now, here's some information that you might find real helpful. I've been wondering how long all of our farmers markets in our area are actually going to be open this season. So I've compiled a list in closing dates of our area farmers markets in and around Knoxville. So here we go. The Market Square Farmers Market in downtown Knoxville will run Wednesdays and Saturdays until November 19th. The Maryville Farmers Market in Maryville, Tennessee will run until November 12th with a special holidays closing market with both food and craft vendors on November the 12th. That market is on Saturdays. There's a new winter farmers market in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, it begins December 3rd, every Saturday from 10 o'clock until 1 p.m. They're still accepting vendors at growoakridge.org. The new Harvest Park Farmer's Market that's in North Knoxville is open until mid-November, Thursdays at 3 until 6. EastTNFarmMarkets.org runs three different markets located in Oak Ridge, Lakeshore Park, and Ebenezer Road. Now, all three of these markets run until the last weekend of November. And here are the particulars. The Lakeshore Park Farmer's Market in the Bearden area is every Friday from 3 until 6 through October. In November, they will be open Friday from 2 until 5. Ebenezer Road Farmers Markets, that's in West Knoxville, will open through the last weekend of November every Tuesday from 3 until 6 p.m. The Oak Ridge Farmers Market, located in historic Jackson Square, is open Saturdays 8 a.m. until 12 and Wednesdays 3 p.m. until sellout until the last weekend of November. The Dixie Lee Farmers Market in way far west Knox County, almost to Dixie Lee Junction, is open until November 5th, every Saturday, 9 until 12. The first annual seed swap in Knoxville, Tennessee, will be Saturday, November 12th, at 1 o'clock until 3 p.m. at Wilson Fine Gardens. A complete list of all these markets and events at TennesseeFarmTable.com under the link that says Listen to the Show. For some really good insights on a lot of these new restaurants that are opening up in our East Tennessee area, there is a young couple, Eric McNew and Mandy Lassiter McNew, and they've created this thing called Knox Foodie, and they also have a blog associated with that called Gather Around. They don't get paid by people to review their places, so it might be a helpful guide to figure out what places are like before you decide to go at knoxfoodie.com. We want to say thank you so much for your great company here today on the Tennessee Farm Table. We hope that you can join us again right back here at 9 o'clock at wdvx.com or online at tennesseefarmtable.com. Next week, we'll cover traditional Thanksgiving foods with an extra special dressing recipe from my friend Beverly. Plus, I'll have special guests Alan Benton of Benton Smoky Mountain Country Ham and Peggy Hambright of Magpie's Bakery on the show as our media partner, WDVX Radio out of Knoxville, kicks off their fall fundraiser. Our theme song was written by myself, Amy Campbell, and beautifully performed by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine.
More information about Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. That's spelled T-H-E-E-M-I Sunshine.com. We want to say thank you to WDVX for bringing to you pure community broadcasting, just like this show. They are our media partner, and we couldn't do this without them. More information at WDVX.com. We'd love to invite you to connect with us on Twitter and Facebook at TennesseeFarmTable.com and check out our podcast. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.